you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL Podcast. Hopes the Patriots make the Super Bowl. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. hey Championship Sunday in the books. And a historic championship Sunday. Two overtime games played. Sudden death football with the Super Bowl on the line. And uh, almost, from my opinion, almost a perfect day of football. Uh, it didn't quite work out. The uh, The Patriots are moving on again. Well, so your team, Dan, is moving on. I got the lock. You so I covered support that. support them. Threw your weight behind them. I threw my weight behind them, and I and I did get the locks. But there's an old um, Bill Simmons, you know, who's one of the more influential Boston sports writers of the last 25 years. He used to say it over and over again back in the day before Boston started winning titles in every sport every year. When he would lament the existence of the Yankees, he said, rooting for the Yankees is like rooting for the house in blackjack. It's a great quote. And I think that Greg and Erica on this special day, I would never take it away <laughs> any of this from you because you get to enjoy another trip, nine trips now for Tom Brady uh, to the Super Bowl. But if, you, if you're if you ever wondering, wait, why is Dan, why is Mark, why is so much of America salty, is that nobody likes to see the house clean out good people on the other side of the table. And that's what happens, it feels like, every January. It, it was remarkably similar. And yes, for our listeners, despite the lock, Dan was living and dying with that game as, as a Chiefs fan, I mean, well, not as a expect? Patriots fan. I, I don't blame you at, at all. If you didn't, Wes nailed it. It was satire on Thursday <laughs> and a bit of a reverse jinx. And if you thought I was actually rooting for the Patriots, you are listening to the wrong podcast or mentally deficient. I mean, read between the lines. I will never root for the Pats. So I was rooting hard for the Chiefs, and it got to the point where Greg disappeared about midway through the fourth quarter, and it took 
couple seconds to figure out, oh, he's probably upstairs with Ricky Holly. About three minutes left, yeah. Doing Tim- the dosi do up here. Yeah, I mean, it was about three minutes left. Tim Posey hits me with the slack, like, you should just come up here. And I was like, oh, yeah. like Come what? up here. It's wicked fun up here. Life is short. Do I want to sit in this uh, newsroom? No, Like, result, good or bad, this this might be the last time they're in this spot, in this newsroom where everyone is against them. And, you know, it's just, like, this annoying be. sort of being surrounded. As you guys can imagine, I mean, for big I- Jets or Browns games. Or do I want to come up here? Here with a with a charming, uh, energetic uh, Patriots fan here who uh, I could enjoy them. I totally see why you shifted seats. My I, dog it, Mark would have seen. At first, when you got up, like, and you're like in your little sports coat, and you like darted sheepishly down the aisle with your with your laptop with your laptop. I thought, where is Greg going in the middle of this like critical <laughs> well, was Patriots drive? Then it was like. Okay, and you know what? I don't blame you because you like were surrounded down the hallway. No, but you were surrounded by people. That did not want your team to succeed on any level. You mean America? Just the whole newsroom, I think. Oh, yeah. Like there, there was like when the Patriots won, then there was an audible like nothingness in the room, just a, a few groans and well, no response. Well, there was one moment where I thought it would be nice to be down there, and that was when Gronk made that catch down the sideline because I would have liked to hear Chris Wesseling's guttural enjoyment because he he was he he loves a good Gronk well, and Brady moment. I came I don't alive that on, on that either. play, but I was screaming and yelling at overtime, astonished at Tom Brady being in the zone and just unfurling one after another impeccable ball placement on all of these throws. All right. Great setup, Wes. You set the table nicely there because uh, the way I look at it, since I'm hosting the podcast, let's get this out of the way. All right. And talk about the Patriots and Chiefs from Arrowhead Championship Sunday. Let's dig in. Brady under center. A give to Burkett. Runs it left for the win. Touchdown, Patriots. And they're bound for Super Bowl 53. What a call, Stosie. We're going back, baby. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. America's worst nightmare is back. We're going to our fourth <laughs> Super Bowl in five years. Pack your bags. Start our buses. We're coming home, Boston. <laughs> There's a human Red Bull can. Scott Zolak, <laughs> along with uh, Bob Sochi of uh, WBZ with the call. The Patriots recalling memories of their last Super Bowl conquest. Won the overtime coin toss and marched right down the field to glory. This time, Brex Burkett. Scoring from two yards out, the final play in the Patriots' 37-31 win over the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the AFC title game. Tom Brady, a surgeon during that final march, and now begins prep for what will be his ninth Super Bowl. That is just stupid. Wes, wild game, multiple lead changes, defenses that couldn't get a stop on either side of the ball, and a legendary QB who came through yet again. Four fourth-quarter lead changes, several replay reviews that looked like they could have gone either way. Another in a long line of two-minute drill touchdown drives by Tom Brady. A 30-second field goal drive with two great throws by Patrick Mahomes. And then Tom Tom Brady, to start overtime, has one of the best exhibitions of ball placement I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. And this man was in the platonic ideal of the athletic zone. He was there. He said before the playoffs started in the in their bye week that there's nothing in his life in football or outside of it that can replace the feeling that you have during the playoffs. And he has played like it the last two weeks and the Patriots have played like it. They have played their best two games of the season in the playoffs. And what stands out about those drives is 
they're so shorthanded on the outside. They're trying to throw it to Dorsett. They're trying to count on Cordero Patterson to win off the line of scrimmage and catch a pass. That they're getting into these third and long situations. And then who do you go to there? It's Julian Edelman, who was not at his best for much of the season. And it's Gronk, who had one of his, if not his best game of the season. They needed three touchdowns to win the game on their last three drives. They got three touchdowns on their last three drives, and Edelman and Gronk had 106 of the 147 yards on those three drives. It was those three guys and James White earlier in the game, kind of the guys you think of as the Patriots in this now four- to five-year run where they keep making it back. I think it was more than that, too, because for the second straight week, the Patriots coaching staff, that should not be a shock to us, put on long stretches of minutes of dominant play and play calling with, frankly, a roster on offense that I think other coaching staffs would not be anywhere close to the AFC championship with some of the guys that Tom Brady's throwing to. And for all you know, the heat that we give New England and the exhaustion around whatever the experience is covering this team going back to the Super Bowl, I mean... I think down the road, as a human being that loves football, you cannot help but look back on what Brady does in a game like this, where the whole narrative all week is, you know, understandably, he's an older quarterback. It's going to be 20 degrees. It's going to feel like it's three degrees. You're going up against young Patrick Mahomes, who, like, you know, is impervious to cold. And Brady shrugged off all the elements. Mother Nature can't take him out. And I think also the defense, which we kind of can gloss over because there's so many known quantities on offense, played for the first half, an incredible half of football until the Chiefs got their place. They, the Chiefs put up 24 points in the fourth quarter, and Patrick Oof. Mahomes uh, looked every bit the MVP in the second half. The first half, though, uh, they, they didn't score um, a point uh, until late in the quarter, right? Did they get a touchdown late in the quarter? It's, they, it's it was 14 a, to nothing at halftime. 14 to nothing at halftime. Thank you. They got on the board almost immediately in the third quarter. Um, I want to point out one more thing on this. Uh, the Patriots that I think is overlooked. Brady is is brilliant, and on that last drive, it, it just felt it just felt like it was done. The coin the coin flip, which called heads, always call heads. Every ball, like Wes is saying, right where it needed to be. And I think what's not getting enough love, and certainly will, because what else do you talk about with the Patriots for two weeks now, which we have to do almost every year now. But the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for what they did these last two weeks. We know that Brady is old and slow and doesn't like getting hit. That hasn't changed just because uh, now they're winning in the playoffs. He still doesn't like it. But they too often, if you're a Chiefs fan or if you're a Chargers fan, you just couldn't get near the guy. And that's just a credit to their line. Absolutely, and I want to touch back on what Mark said about the Patriots coaching staff. These are two of the most dominant first halves you will ever see in the postseason, and they have 40 first downs versus 39 total plays for the Chiefs and Chargers in the first half of the last two games. They had more first down than the other teams had total plays in both games. And, and Belichick talked about it after the game. They could have scored more points. They struggled in short yardage. Brady's interception on the goal line would have been the play that Patriots fans remembered if they went on to lose this game. But the Chiefs' defense, which is was not great all day, by the end of that game, they were worn out. The Patriots ran 94 plays, not even counting penalties. would have been even more. 94 plays to 47 for the Chiefs. The Patriots had more runs in that game than the Chiefs had plays. And it then made Patrick Mahomes need to be perfect late. And that if they had won this game, the Chiefs that is, 
it would have been such a great individual performance by Mahomes, who made mistakes in the first half, because for the most part, I think they beat good play calls. That Mahomes won late in the down, where it was just Mahomes' magic. Other than the touchdown uh, play, which came kind of on a, a, another controversial play, a million plays you could look back on, and it was a pick play by the Chiefs. For the most part, their scheme wasn't winning. It was Mahomes winning. I don't want to say this because it's going to seem like I'm just being salty, as Ricky and the Millennials would say. Uh, but we're well after the that, game. If our the Britishians, the Millennials say that people are being salty, <laughs> like, that oh, feels like an old. Have a little salt with your dinner. That's like, what, like oh, we've been that's, saying no, that for 40 a, years. If yeah. anyone uh, was out there watching our Sky Sports <laughs> hit right after the game, which was well after midnight in uh, the UK, so no one. It was it was a salty. It was a it was a fun five minutes for me because it's right after the game, and as salty as Dan and Mark. Uh, have ever been, I feel like, on air. We're a, Sorry, we're like an hour that. plus removed from that now, so yeah. everyone's kind of calmed down. It was salty, um, but this is what <laughs> needs to be said, and I don't care. Patriots fans could, you know, stick it up their butts. Luck is a big part of what's been an incredible ride for them as well, and every, you could point to 10 different plays and almost every year things that just seem to go their way, and that's part of what drives the Patriots drives you crazy as a Patriots hater. In this case, it was a play that will stick with the Chiefs and their fans and D Ford for the rest of their lives. And it was, and it's funny how it changes everything. Joe Montana, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Um, uh, Billups of the Bengals, the defensive back, lets a game-ending interception go through his hands um, that keeps Joe Montana and the Niners alive in Super Bowl 23. So Joe Montana is not remembered for that interception. He's remembered as the guy could never get beaten in the Super Bowl. Gronk, who we're saying had a great game, and he did, and it was a, a bounce-back effort offensively for Gronk. If D4 doesn't line up with his foot in the neutral zone, which is an inexcusable play in the fourth quarter of the AFC title game, this game is remembered as the end of Brady and Gronk because Gronk let a ball go right through his hands and into the opponent's hands for a game-ending interception. That is, in the Chiefs run, my pain rankings years ago, that is as painful a way to lose. And we saw two games that are very painful ways to lose uh, today. Uh, but Chiefs fans will never forget D. Ford and never forgive him for that play. I, I agree 100%, but I, I also feel like seasons could pass where you find a Patriots player doing the same thing. It's the biggest moment, and they're drummed into their heads, the details, the little moments like that. I just, I think That's it's an excellent point. It's believable from other teams. It's not believable from the Patriots, and they do create some of their own luck. I mean, I one sequence that I there's thought... Eight, there's like 25, 30 more plays in but that, that is, I Right. That, you could say both sides. That is the game-deciding play with the Chiefs nursing a... Uh, Four-point lead. But you just can't, you can't, it was until it was third and nine on the very first overtime drive, and you throw a low percentage throw. Then that's the game-turning play if the Chiefs make a but play But the game's on over if D, if D Ford has his feet on the right side of the line. I'm just saying. It is what it is. It's undeniable that the Patriots have been lucky throughout this dynasty, but they've also – that goes both ways. Like, if not right. for the helmet catch and Wes Welker's right. drop, they have two more Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, my answer for that is absolutely. And I think luck is – underrated for how much it affects all of sports, especially the NFL, where it does come down to a few plays. It's a monster factor. But the the part that's not lucky is putting yourself in position again and again. Because yeah, the Patriots I agree with you on the, that. And totally. the Patriots have been on the other side, not just of painful Super Bowl losses, but of painful AFC championship game losses, which came down to a play where they could go pick out a luck. So the the, the magic is just kind of getting into that moment. The call that, that got 
me agitated was the because it's not it is let's even remove it from Patriots Chiefs specific. I just see too many of these roughing the passer call, the one that was on Chris Jones, where the replay shows, in my mind, Chris Jones, you know, following through with an attempt to swat the ball or get something on Brady and not really going for the head on any level. And ultimately, it looks like his hand kind of just went on Brady's jersey and said, let me straighten that out for you, (laughs) sir, before I get flagged for a killer penalty. Yeah, that was that was, that was, a huge was that the only time you heard Chris Jones' name today? I mean, you only heard yeah, D Ford on the offsides. I don't think I heard Justin Houston. Well, it's, name you all know day. what? The, it is. It gets. It gets so to be redundant. Clear, that was a roughing the passer penalty that kick started. I believe the drive that put the Patriots ahead late. It, it, it Absolutely, it yeah. would have been a, a third and seven uh, for the Patriots if they didn't get that call. But that that's kind of what I mean. Is like if you don't get that call, and, and Chiefs fans remember that call. Based on what Brady did on third down the rest of the game and overtime, especially at that point, it's like I would have trusted Brady to make the next play. That's why I'm sort of saying even remove it from this specific game. It's just more that those calls don't really have a place in my mind in a huge moment like that. It's so redundant to say this every game before the Patriots square off against someone with a great pass rush. Oh, well, this will be the team that finally makes life tough on Tom Brady. And you thought it was Joey Bosa and the Chargers. And then you thought today, oh, the, oh, the team that can, you know they can't do a lot well on defense, but they have been playing well and they lead the league in sacks. You're going to find a way in Arrowhead in guttingly freezing temperatures to make life life uncomfortable for a 41 year old quarterback, and they don't even get to him. I mean, they almost had a Golston, which longtime listeners of the podcast <laughs> means no QB hits, no sacks. Uh, depending on which stat service you trust. Jesus or uh, ESPN, Derek Nandi may have had a quarterback hit in this game. But the fact that he dropped back 46 times, he averaged two and a half seconds getting rid of the ball. So that's more Brady than the offensive line. But it was also the protection scheme, and Romo did a great job pointing it out. Gronk chipping. You know, the coach. Romo had the best day of anyone today. Romo was unbelievable. And, And Brady didn't leave the pocket one single time. So it was 46 times in the pocket without being touched like that's everything coming together that's but it's Brady more than anyone and like the the and that's why I love Romo is that he has a better feel for when the quarterbacks are changing the play at the line of scrimmage what they're changing it to how many times in this game did he point that out right before Brady made the perfect play call including on a fourth uh and goal on the goal line where he changed it to a, a successful touchdown it's like that's his magic. Like if you want to know his magic, that's his number one magic. That's Brady's magic. And it's I go back again to New England's coaching staff because they know that they have a quarterback that's not going to scamper free left and right, you know, rolling around the field and throwing sidearm like Patrick Mahomes. If you if you do get to him, he's in hot water. And they find a way with a lot of offensive linemen that sometimes they rotate in and out. And you don't even know who these guys are. He doesn't get touched. It's just like – this is coaching this like this is what the Rams are gonna have to deal with. And I think it's key to, to have to run it forty eight times. People like the Patriots went against every tendency that analytics say don't run on first down. They ran on first down for much of the game. And I think ultimately Stick it they, in your they, hat they but, kinda had to. But here's and then they transitioned when it wasn't working. Here's my beef with how people use analytics. Analytics are to go against tendency. Right. That's how analytics work. When everyone else is going one way, you go the other way because that's where the value is. Take it out of your hat. Analytics. I, I do feel for Andy Reid. <laughs> You're confusing me. What? I don't know. I, Andy, I feel so bad for Andy Reid. Yeah, that is, that's a bummer because here's the good news for Andy Reid. 
Patrick Mahomes is going to be on his team next year, too. And you know what they need to do to get better. They need more impact players. And perhaps I did do a little uh, web surfing. Do you millennials still use web information what is with super the highway? No. <laughs> today. Why yeah. are we targeting hey, Tampos, That's because large section of our audience. got to connect with the youth to get the podcast numbers. I know, but it sounds like we're kind of taking like a bit of a shot at them every time we kind of that's, see, look that's, down at their that's terminology. That's the way you're saying it. I want to No, connect. that is not the way I said it. That is how you seem to say it to me so seconds I, ago. I looked up a chief subreddit just to see where the fans are at emotionally. And as you can <laughs> I, imagine, you needed wow. to it up. as you can imagine, um, bitterly disappointed, still optimistic about the future with Mahomes there, but everybody wants Bob Sutton fired. But I don't even know, like, Bob Sutton, their defensive coordinator, obviously the Chiefs had no answers down Didn't the stretch. did he make great second-half adjustments? Well, here's the thing. Also, it's like you could kill Bob Sutton for his defense giving up touchdown drives every possession down the stretch, but they're on the field for like 100 plays. It was the same. It was such a carbon copy. I'm sure you have it ingrained in your head, Greg. How many plays did uh, the – Patriots run in the Falcons Super Bowl. Right. It was the same thing. Atlanta had nothing left in the tank by the end of the game. And uh, the coin toss, really, you could argue, Patrick Mahomes never gets on the field in overtime, which is heartbreaking for the Chiefs. But that coin toss could have decided the game. I, I agree with that on the coin toss. It, but it all starts early, and that's when the Patriots coaches won. How good are, have the Chiefs been in the first quarter? How good has Andy Reid been at scripting plays? And they were bamboozled in the first quarter. 15-play, eight-minute drive, touchdown. Right, so the, so the Patriots start perfect on offense, and the Chiefs you know, start, I think, with two three-and-outs for the first time they had all year. The Patriots had a plan, double, double hill, and they had Gilmore on, on Travis Kelsey in the second half. They had a different matchup in the first half. They switched it up. They threw the ball eight times to those two guys. I mean, those are the two best players. They had four catches for 67 yards. They shut down those two guys. They It worked to perfection in the first half. In the second half, they, if they had fire. to take J.C. Jackson off of Kelsey because he was getting burnt, and that was – J.C. Jackson was leading all cornerbacks in opposing passer rating entering this game. And he got fried. He had right. three penalties in the fourth quarter alone. I mean, they, I always kind of, I always am not sure about the whole. Oh, keep it away from Mahomes. That's the way to do it. Because ultimately, you still have to score more when you have the ball. But in the first half, they only had the ball three times. I mean, that's kind of amazing. They they punted all three. They only had 19 plays. That that was their first half. The and, Chiefs. I mean, that, well, on their that, first they, two drives went for negative two yards. After that, they were the Chiefs. You know, after that, they were the Chiefs, and I, then some. I think that the Patriots. I mean, you know, everyone made a big deal as they should have last week when they came out against the Chargers with a seven-plus-minute drive, opening drive touchdown, which was the longest in Bill Belichick's New England history. So they come out today when you kind of see what they've been doing to everyone, and they have a longer drive. That record didn't even stand a full seven days. <laughs> um, mentioned how the Chiefs did nothing in the first half. Mahomes, who was brilliant, as we said, in the second half, he takes a little blame for what happened in the first half. The one possession that really got away from him yep. is he had the big completion of Tyreek Hill, who was very quiet in this game, as we said. Um, they were set up uh, to get on the board. He misses a wide open. Was it Watkins? A wide open Sammy Watkins and then takes a bad it was sack. Damian Williams. Damian Williams route. on the wheel route and then takes a bad sack and that took him out of field goal range. So th- they were they were out of sorts in the first half, but as out of sorts as they were in the first half, they scored a touchdown, I think, four plays into the third quarter. And at that point, it was a totally different game. Well, and they got the best game they've had all season from Sammy Watkins, who's been, you know, banged up. And I think that had a lot to do with Tyreek Hill being essentially a race. I mean, they scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. The, they, it, that is outrageous. He got the, you know, Mahomes got the ball back 
needing a touchdown with 332. He almost did it too fast. And then he got the ball back again with 39 seconds <laughs> left and had two unbelievable plays that not that just about no quarterback is going to make and sets him up for overtime. The only thing I would have gotten on Reed a little bit was like, if I'm the Patriots, I'm afraid of them going for the end zone one more play. And that's easy to... <laughs> That's easy to second guess, but I don't know. You have the Super, you have the Super yep. Bowl sitting there in front of you with 11 seconds left. I don't know. That defensive alignment, <laughs> though, was not designed to give up a play like that. And I was having flashbacks coverage, to Miami where like people just killed yeah. Belichick after the game for something going wrong. But Reed would have been killed if if uh, sure. the young quarterback forced one into coverage. Scrambling up to the ended. line to try to you know get the to, to down right. the ball and end the clock, and the thing runs to zero. Reed would be. Getting destroyed right now. One of the images I will remember from today more than any other is Erica Tamposi dancing with her Tamposi jersey (laughs) in in back of the glass while we were about to do the sky hit, but Dan and Mark refusing to look up at her. I did not see this. I missed this entirely. Gave you like a, I'm happy for you. <laughs> no, it wasn't kind of that look. kind of look. <laughs> I don't know. Can Some we? Sort of look. The house in blackjack wins. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll take that. Breaks a two-game losing streak. Mark, why didn't you come with me, man? You um, I really up the thought about it, but I, I kind of just said, you know what? I'm going to roll with the, the home team and thought that I was sitting pretty after the road team won the first game today. Uh, Spoiler alert. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Wes? Yeah, can we stand in awe of Tom Brady and put his greatness into perspective for a minute here? Mike Giardi, our, our Patriots reporter on NFL Network, said that he entered the facility – early in the week and said, announced to everyone, I'm the baddest mother trucker on the planet when he walked in the door. And then Julian Edelman says he proceeded to practice all week better than he has at any time all season. He now, this is where he stands against his competition as a quarterback legend. 28 more touchdowns, 35, 78 more yards. 3,600 more yards, 13 more victories, and four more Super Bowl appearances than any other quarterback in postseason history. So he has more, yeah. Wow. More appearances than Montana. They're the same that Montana even made it. And, and since his 35th birthday, he's his numbers stack up against anyone's for the career just about. I mean, I think you have to consider him like a Michael Jordan-level player in his sport. I agree with that. And speaking of putting greatness in perspective, every legendary chapter that gets added to this book, Wes— Every year. Only enhances the greatness of what Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin pulled <laughs> off in two separate Super Bowls. I mean, it, it, it just enhances Eli's Hall of Fame candidacy. It, it just it makes Coughlin look like even more of a genius. But those, yeah, to me now, like, and, and I'll say this if the Patriots lose on Super Bowl Sunday too, that enhances, like, the losses enhance Brady's reputation too because and I was thinking about that and you like you don't want to see your team lose in the Super Bowl and they're kind of boring to cover and and all that stuff but to have this performance like they could go lose 41 to nothing in the Super Bowl and to have this sort of performance which to me is up there with anything that Brady has done to do it another to do something you hadn't done before win on the road like this for Gronk to have that moment in like when Everyone was making retirement jokes about it. No matter what happens in the next one. They like, were? Well, hold on. Back <laughs> the, this back, can we back the truck up just Wait, a I'm few feet? Wait, I'm saying retirement jokes about Gronk. <laughs> if, they uh, lose 41 nothing, if they lose 41 nothing in the Super Bowl, no one is going to care about 
this game or the last but game. But I will. No, like, and that's I, fine. I think, but I we're talking about should. the larger <laughs> reflection of Tom Brady. If they walk right. in and get blank 41 nothing, no one's going to remember that they beat the Chargers. It's, it's, an ex, it's an extreme example. but I do, It is extreme. I do think that that is the sign of greatness, showing up that many different times, and you have to show up and you lose something. Like if you, that, you're going to lose some this Super Bowls like, you show up nine times. Speaking of blackjack um, – it, this the, is what we cannot. We're going to be doing this for two. When weeks. the Patriots the whole make, thing. when the Patriots make thing. the Super Bowl, it is very for Patriot haters like Mark and myself. When they make this, when they make the Super Bowl, it's like doubling down in blackjack because there's nothing better than a Patriots loss in the Super Bowl, but there's nothing worse than a I, Patriots well, win. One thing, because there were there's multiple a lot of Super drama Bowls here. that we've been to where I was uh, like. Rooting for Tom Brady and rooting I was for say, Belichick. You've been conflicted over the years. I, I can tell you really respect Belichick and Brady, but you seem to just be exhausted by them. I it's just like I said on, on Sky Sports, it's not the game itself because they played these amazing Super Bowls. It is and it is it is fun to go to the Super Bowl no matter what, we're gonna have a great time. But I just sometimes like new stories yeah. and fresh stories. That's I all get that. it's not even really a complaint. It's just an observation of like the run-up to the Super Bowl is always slightly absurd for whoever's involved. Right. And it's going to be, you know, this is even like going to take all the Sean McVay think pieces that are coming at us, and it's going to sh- it's going to dampen all those and put them in the background because it's going to be another oh, no, Belichick and no. Brady thing. No, you got it all wrong. It's going to be the young genius against it, the it, old it will be. It will be, but it's not going to be Sean McVay's <laughs> stage alone on any level well, because of this. It's going to be an annoying, like the narrative writers are going to have either way because either the Patriots kind of dot the the dynasty by you know coming back around Brady 17 years later against the Rams or the Rams like end the dynasty by kind of coming back mm. around seven or years. win or lose which the is, Patriots are back stupid. the next year too. which is so. stupid There's both no, are stupid don't put any dot or exclamation point on the Patriots because it's just going to go on forever right this is no dot this look point. at beatific uh Eric T. Oh, no. there. I feel you like can, you should. And, I mean, by the way, way, by the way it's two weeks of this. It's two weeks of this, too. Mark, <laughs> this. you want new stories. You've never been to a Super Bowl that the Patriots have won with me. Why can't you just be happy? Why can't you see how happy you're the I last am? person that I'm would be agitated at? But it's just it's we've done I'm this with first. Greg five or six but times. Forget at this about point. Greg. I'm asking you for good me. luck. Forget about him. He's going to be in my ear for like the next 40 hours. We got to move on. But I'll remember this when Baker Mayfield's at his ninth Super Bowl. I'll start being all cranky in your ear when you're well, 64 that, years old. Yeah, we will be in our <laughs> 60s at that point. Um, all right, let's move on to the other title game today played earlier at the Superdome. 57-yard try to win the NFC Championship game. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. L.A. will play for the Lombardi. KSPN's J.B. Long with the call. Greg, the leg. Zerline drilled a 57-yard field goal with room to spare. The decider in the Rams' 26-23 overtime win over the Saints in the NFC title game. It was the first and only lead for the Rams on Sunday who battled back from a 13-0 first-half deficit to secure their first Super Bowl berth since the 2001 season. A lot to get into here, including a no-call that will haunt the Saints forever. But let's start here. The Rams found a way to win a game in which Todd Gurley had just five touches. Mark, it's a testament to a team that we heard all season lives and dies by Todd Gurley. Well, they lived without him. There's a lot to, as you said, uh, touch on in this, and we can uh, 
Yes, I'll I, just, that's why I said that. I'll open with just this. This reminded me of what the Saints did a week ago, where the Saints got into a 14 nothing hole against the Eagles and showed, I thought, great resilience at home to find their sea legs on offense and do just enough to win that game. This Rams team, we, we asked all week, what would it be like to play in the Superdome? Well, they came in earlier in the year and put up a bunch of points, so maybe all this stuff about crowd noise is totally overblown, but this was much, one of the more lathered up, uh, fiery crowds that I can remember ever really watching in the playoffs, and it visibly threw the Rams off their step early on. There was like they couldn't hear. Legitimately, there was yeah. like a te- there Even were like communication yeah. issues in Goff's helmet that they had to deal with. But they showed them over and over. And I thought Troy Aikman, you know, because he's been there, he could see what was happening. They couldn't even get the play out in the huddle. And it put Goff into a situation where he wasn't just Sean McVay, you know, throwing sea poems into his ear and let's put up 50 points. It was like having to find your way out of that morass without your best player operating and almost mysteriously on the sideline. Because you find out that Sean McVay simply trusted C.J. Anderson more down the stretch in that game. And... I'll let you guys unpack some of the other stuff, but I thought that the Rams, who you know at times have been on my radar, this is the kind of game where you cannot help but believe in them entirely with the way they handled one of the toughest environments to play in. One of one of the most surprising. We'll get to all the controversial stuff, but the surprising, most surprising thing in this game to me is that both defenses really won. I mean, neither team could run the ball at all. Neither quarterback, I would say, played a great game or even like a B-plus game for how talented they are. The two defenses won, but the Rams' defense won more. I mean, the Fowler, Sue, Donald, Brockers made a few more plays to get to the point where it's 13-0. They they stopped them early after the, the Rams' turnover, which put the Saints on a short field. That was huge. And then in the final four drives... The Saints had three points. I mean, the final seven drives, they had 10 points. They they really weren't the Saints' offense, which I was more surprised by that than anything because I just thought the Rams would have to have a great offensive day to win, and they didn't. They won it anyways with one of the great kicks in NFL history that's been overlooked a little bit too much in the postgame because of all the controversial calls. Let's talk about the elephant in the room here, which is the non-call that, unfortunately, it will not be remembered for Greg the Legs bomb, which it should be because that was an incredible kick, one of the best we've ever seen in the playoffs. But it'll be remembered for the no-call on Rams defensive back Nickel Roby Coleman, who uh, late in the fourth quarter with the Saints uh, in good position to run the clock all the way down uh, near uh, the Rams goal line and kick the potential game-winning field goal, uh, Roby Coleman sprints toward the sideline to cover Tommy Lee Lewis on a wheel route, collides with him uh, seconds before the ball gets there. A clear penalty uh, to fans in the stadium, people watching at home, Gene Steratore in the booth, and even the NFL uh, because after the game, Sean Payton uh, said this, just getting off the phone with a league office, they blew the call. I don't know if there was ever a more obvious pass interference call. And the result of this was clock stops. It leaves enough. They still kick the field goal to go ahead, but it leaves enough time for the Saints to go down and tie the game. So this is the the play that will this game will be remembered by. Sean Payton devastated after the game because he knows that the flag comes out there. The Saints are probably preparing for the Super Bowl right now. Here's what he had to say. If we were playing pickup football in the backyard, 
the team that committed the foul. I mean, it was it was as obvious a call, um, and uh, how we can two guys can look at that and come up and arrive with uh, their decision. And, and it happened though, so you can't dwell on it. Um, you know, we you know we probably never get over it. You know, the truth is, you you always some of these losses like this, but one one like that, um, that's it's too bad. That was a third down from the 12-yard line with 1.48 to play. Scored tied at 20, uh, and the incompletion and lack of a first down allowed the Rams a chance. Roby Coleman, Wes, after the game said, yes, I got there too early. I was beat, and I was trying to save the touchdown. You don't see that admission too often. Should have been called pass interference. Could have been called defenseless receiver. Could have been called helmet to helmet. Could have been called unnecessary roughness. (laughs) Take your pick. The magnitude of the missed call is such – that I guarantee you there will be discussions about changing the rules on what can be challenged no doubt. and what can't be. This is the history of the NFL and rule changes going back to even like the 70s and Mike Renfro's catch in the Oilers-Steelers championship game that eventually led to instant replay review. Um, these things happen, and it's just it's a horrible, horrible injustice, and it's really going to take some of the attention away of Drew Brees coming up short with that pass and Sean Payton getting too cute with his play calling at the end of the game. Those two guys should be wearing goat horns, and instead the referees will be. Yeah, that's it, it brings up something that I really believe in. And Belichick, maybe it's because Belichick says it so much, that it, it never comes down. To, like, it does come down to one play, but I refuse to believe that everything that happened before and that especially everything that happened afterward is invalidated by that one call which in you like all of these things can be true it was absolutely a missed call Belichick for what it's worth has proposed officially at at annual meetings that every play should be reviewable and I think he probably will again and that's I mean, do six we, hour do games we really want that? I don't nec- I don't necessarily want that but what I mean is though to your point the the Saints have a first down there where Sean Payton calls a pass instead of running it twice to kind of burn the Rams timeouts and then maybe throwing it on third down. And Drew Brees short arms a throw that he hits. One Saints fan like hit me up with. He that he hits it 249 out of 250 times. That play came directly after Drew Brees short armed a deep throw to Ted Ginn that Ted Ginn ended up making a play on because LaMarcus Joyner didn't go after the ball. Second, I don't know if he short-armed it. I just don't think he has the arm for it. Okay. Yeah, throws. It, which is why Whatever he's not going to win MVP it, because it, I think his arm strike limitations were exposed down the stretch of the season. So Alvin Kamara has a no gain the next play. So all of these, these things happen, and in overtime, the Saints get the ball first. I mean, we could be talking about, oh, they're lucky because they won the, the coin toss there. But no, Dante Fowler gets pressure on Breeze causes an interception and the Rams go win the game with one of the great kicks. So it's like all of that happening doesn't invalidate it, but it's it's might be the worst call. It's certainly the most memorable missed call since the tuck rule, which it wasn't even a missed call, but I think just like the most memorable play, I think that the Cowboys officials- will counter with Des caught it. That I don't, is also I don't think an that's quite there, but yes. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I agree with you, Greg. I will say that I think that the experience of the average sports fan, um, and by average, I don't mean unremarkable, People just you're you're running the mill. People we watching, got you, bro. We got okay. Watching games like out at bars, Get your right? Mokes. You're out trying you're, to pay attention. You're, a you're little out there closer. with a bunch of Saints fans. Yes. And this call happens. The response in a big crowded packed sports bar or in that stadium is not. And and I hear where you're coming from, but you know what? Here's 25 other things that could have gone differently. It's like a a totally blown call at when the team on the threshold of making 
what is clearly most likely going to be the last real Super Bowl run that you're going to get from Breeze and Sean Payton. So I totally get the outrage. Fans have a right to be outraged and not be totally centered. We watch these games in an office, sober for the most part, you know, breaking down all the ifs, ands, and buts. For but the wait a part. second. We all just looked around know? the room. I'm just saying, face. Like, like, at least sober-minded and that we're not going crazy. Sometimes yeah. we lose our cool, too. But it's like this: the average sports fan cannot be asked to pick apart 4,000 other scenarios to nullify the fact that that was a terrible call. It was That's a why we get gross, the big bucks. Well, gross call. I think one of the most distasteful aspects of our job is every Monday morning having to cover ad nauseum controversial calls. Right. And fans are always too worked up about it. In this case, it's an exception. I yes. think they have every right to be upset and think that their team got robbed and they should have won. Let's talk about other aspects of the game. Obviously, that is such a huge part of this game, but there are other parts to talk about, like the fact that the Saints came very close to running the Rams out of the building. Uh, and to Los Angeles's credit, and the riots outside, L.A. is on fire right now. Not literally, but, I mean, the fans are just going nuts here. Uh, just kidding. It's very quiet outside. <laughs> oh, but how do you know? It, I went for a walk to 7-Eleven before. Oh, crickets. It's very quiet. <laughs> uh, people anyway, like Lakers. This Cul- is- Cul- every- Culver City is a pretty quiet place, unless, like, there are people lined up sure. outside the gun store. I, did I lie? I said it's very quiet outside. 13 <laughs> nothing. okay? Uh, 14-23 to play in the second quarter. The Rams facing a fourth and five mm. at their own 30, okay? And I got issues with Sean McVay, his decision to kick a field goal in the fourth quarter uh, when he should have went for it. Uh, he took the tie instead of going for the jugular, and it, it would have cost him, and le- uh, but he got bailed out by that bogus call. That's, that's him not hanging the onions, which really surprised me, but he absolutely hung onions in this spot. Johnny Hecker, who never lets him down, uh, passes to Shields, a big gain uh, that got them uh, led, led to them getting on the board. And once they got the game back under control, um, and got the game to 13-10 uh, late in the second quarter. They have a touchdown drive. Everything, they were fine from that point on. But this game was this close. And I even I tweeted yep. it, that this game was teetering on the brink of another disappointing playoff game, and it just changed uh, after that fake uh, punt call. I just I think that you're exactly right, Dan. I, and the one thing about the, that the, the Rams on offense showing resilience, but I thought by the time they got to overtime that Goff, was more comfortable than he had been. It would be growing to that. And he made a couple big money throws in this game. The dart, the 36-yard over-the-shoulder one to Brandon Cooks was beautiful. He got Gerald Everett going with a like a catch-and-rumble 39-yarder. He hit Josh Reynolds for a 33-yarder. I mean, they made some big games and the big plays in the passing game when they needed it most. Yeah, the two throws that Goff made against pressure in overtime were, were plays like, I don't expect from him because those are plays that really he beat what was the right play call two times. I mean, those were the the two plays I remember most from the Rams offense in this game because he has a free rusher coming at him and he does a pretty athletic move with, to flip his hips to get out of the way and get the ball I, going. I don't think he gets enough. I think he is a great quarterback. I, I'm not saying he's one of the best in the league, but I think he is 24 years old, too, especially those. He has such great form and great technique, and he just looks like he has, he's so well put together as a quarterback. If you give him time, every time he got a clear path, he was putting it right on the money. It, it was seeing him play and seeing Brady play. It was a lot of fun. It, it helps when like good I, I think it helps his story when Todd Gurley had the game he had, where it was on golf more than you would have wanted it to be to make those throws down the stretch. What did 
Gurley said I had a sorry game. He's something like that. Yeah. Two, what? two what awful that, drops. Um, he got away with a hold on um, Eli Apple on a play that should have been a sack. It, it was We great. need to find out what's going on with Todd Gurley, and we're going to have two weeks. If you're telling me that it was just a coach's decision to take out a guy that's the the best player on the team, I would be surprised that there wasn't something himself. physical going on. Uh, that he he was on the bike on the sideline, uh, but he was not playing well and, and only touched the ball five times. That, that may be that he's not 100%. He ended up playing only four snaps less than – then Anderson, he was the lowest graded player on the Rams offense uh, on the entire team by a decent amount, That's according weird. to Pro Football Focus. He he struggled in that game, and they were clearly running better up the middle, which is more what Anderson does versus their zone scheme. With they're usually an outside running team, and they didn't really try it that hard because the Saints defense, which you talked up, Wes, and I think played really well overall. I mean, they would not. They both teams could not run the ball at all. Like they both had to sort of give up on the run. Well, the Saints couldn't do anything except have Alvin Kamara beat whoever was assigned to him. That was their offense. A great team win for the Rams, but spinning back to Greg the Leg Zerline. And, you know, I'm on the kicking corner. Let, let's call attention to that play because that drive in overtime for the Rams, they got the they got the interception from Breeze uh, when they got pressure on Breeze, uh, led to the turnover. They get great field position. They don't move the ball much. I think they got maybe 15 yards. They got a first down and maybe a little bit more in that range. And that is – You're right, exactly 15 yards. Nice. They were <laughs> – it was a no-brainer to attempt the field goal in the Dome – but it also was highly risky because if Greg the Leg doesn't get it done there, the Saints are set up at midfield, uh, only needing field goal. So the season is really on the line. And two people to credit. Johnny Hecker, it was a low snap that he handled. Yeah. And then Greg Zerline. Mm. This does not – the fact that Jared Goff, and I know he's the quarterback, and I just said he's a great quarterback, all that. The fact that he's the one they're, they're talking to right after the game – and then at the podium with uh, Terry Bradshaw in the locker room after the game, they have all these jabronis up on the stage. Jabronis. Where's Greg Zerline? Greg Zerline drilled a 57-yard field goal to put his team into the Super Bowl that had 15 yards to spare, and nobody was even really talking about it. But or a guy, interviewing a guy him. like Cody Parkey misses a field goal, and he's the biggest villain in the world, and he goes on the Today Show and he gets fired and all that. Why don't the kickers get more love when they do – this is the equivalent of making an incredible, like a helmet catch or something, drilling a field goal like that at those stakes. I don't understand why Greg the Leg isn't a legend right now. They're going to retire his number, the Rams are. Well, I should. Well, go ahead. With I don't want to shake you to your very core here, Dan. Yes. But Justin Tucker wasn't the best kicker in the NFL that's, last season. That's fair. It was Greg Zerline. Last year, you're saying? The 2017 season, Greg Zerline, hey, if he didn't US. get injured at the end of the year, would have broken the points record because he was phenomenal. I mean, that's one of the great kicks. In his- we needed the NBC graphic, which says good from whatever. Because that would, it felt like that would have been. SNF kicks, it's called. We, it felt like it would have been good from 72. And Saints fans who probably aren't really listening to this podcast, I hate to break it. I mean, Garrett Hartley no longer has the greatest kick in Superdome history. That's, that's the greatest kick in Superdome Ooh, history. Wow. That really- Greg, that was savage. Was that good, Eric? Man. Savage I didn't know you were going to turn heel on, on the – I mean, I'm just saying it was a great kick. What will your buddy Adam think now? Uh, he's definitely – Greg's not. heel turn on the Saints. Is yeah. It's not a heel. Now he's it's claiming he's never wild. really liked them since they won the Super That's Bowl. That's not Something true. Happened. You can like a lot of things. Something happened. It's okay. Yeah, what did happen there? 
This is like this, the the legend of me and Spice Rack in Vegas. You guys always think <laughs> there's something more to the story. Well, that's with me and uh, with you and uh, the Saints. Well, you just something basically happened. acknowledge that there is more to that. Well, maybe maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Good work, Mark. Don't we work with enough television producers at this point, too, where I like your kicker argument that if, if there, someone's in their ear, it's like, hey, listen, we've got uh, Greg the leg, but we also have Jared Goff right here. Which one do you want? Uh, they'll take off. Well, can it be a simple? Is that right? No, but that's what they. That's, that's what TV producers. Can do. it be as simple as, uh, like the Rams are new and just like you're sick of the Patriots? I'm not sick of Drew Brees. Maybe I'm a little sick of Drew Brees. I'm not sick of the rest of the Saints. Like the the Rams are new. Like yeah, Mc, McVeigh. The Ra- like it's just you a put Zerline on the podium next to Terry. Inter- Terry Bradshaw interview yeah. Greg the Leg Zerline on live television. It's not a bad idea. The man hit a 57 yard field goal to send his team into the. Super Bowl, put him on television. And Dan's that. going for that pull quote. <laughs> no, I'm way too dangerous. I thought you were like, Dan's going for the Emmy. <laughs> That's his Oscar clip right there. Um, Get Dan that pull quote. Anything? It's going to be out there in 40 minutes. Anything else, boys, from this game? Yeah, I just want to say something more about the Rams' defense. They have completely shut down the ground attacks of the Cowboys and Saints the past two weeks. This defense was mediocre all year, and since Aqib Tlaib came back, I really think they've mm. they've upped their level of play. You see, and Dom can Sue playing like an all-pro again. And Dante Fowler for the last month and a half has been really disruptive behind the paid. line of scrimmage. Michael Thomas paid. had 36 yards in this game. My, my one last thing would just be that McVay, for all the hype that he's gotten delivered in such a big moment, not, not just the, the field goal, but field goal change, which is, is something like the coach is giving his team to change the game. I mean, that's a coaching. And Bones, obviously, uh, Jim Fassel, their special teams coordinator. But also the play call on that beautiful throw that Goff made where he's creating a mismatch between uh, Josh Reynolds and Demario Davis. That's a coaching play. Like, that's a coaching win. And the other one that stands out is in, in the fourth quarter. He decides to burn a timeout pretty early in the game to take a timeout on third and four. And what does he set up? A 39-yard play to Gerald Everett that absolutely beat him. I mean, there were a lot of moments where McVay just kind of won and delivered on all the hype. I want to um, also shout out to Lakeisha. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Paramore, you nice. know, I feel I really do. I'm bummed for Saints fans because they got robbed. But Lakeisha, like, got up early this morning. She was so excited. She left early to go to a bar and get the table because she said this is the biggest game of my life. She hadn't been a, a big diehard football fan for the greatest show on turf years. Like, she was she was on cloud nine entering this game, mm. so nervous and excited. And to see her reaction when I'm, the Rams won. I'm sure you retweeted it, Wes, but if you, if you haven't seen it, I also retweeted Lakeisha's reaction immediately after the game. That that was really nice to see because she's such a rare fan in the sense that she lived in St. Louis, moves to L.A., and the team follows her. The people left behind in St. Louis, probably a little more con- uh, conflicted seeing Stan Kroenke uh, on that podium instead of Greg Zerline, by the way. Uh, <laughs> him being celebrated, I can understand the frustration there. But Lakeisha, uh, this is a special team for her. Oh, yeah. Special I, season. To, to Wes's credit, we, we were up here doing the sky hit in the middle of the fourth quarter. And I started to pick up for the first time that Wes was rooting for the Rams, even though or he was happy for the Rams, rooting for the Rams, even though he locked up the Saints and the lock competition was down to that. The love of his life mattered more to him than that. Well, I, you're He's also th- got to deal with her all week long if they lose. Forget the lock. Now, you could – here's uh, – just to play devil's advocate. 
if Wes would have been just a, a loyal uh, to his woman and just got behind the team, he'd be tied with Mark going into the Super Bowl. Oh, that's that's a fair criticism, and I think you're setting the bar very low for acceptable like fiance behavior. <laughs> of course, I'm gonna. I mean, she's gonna get way more value out of going to the Super Bowl and her team winning than I'm gonna get for some lock competition on a podcast. All right, Erica, we're also happy for you. Oh yeah, Erica and I locked up uh, the road dogs. Yeah, we did. Nice job. Mm-hmm. Ricky, three. Ricky's on a roll. Four and I think now. Hubba hubba. Hey, stand out at your event for the right reasons with theblacktux.com. The Black Tux offers the kind of suits and tuxedo styles that would normally be wildly expensive. Did you write this, Greg? Wildly <laughs> expensive to buy, and you might only wear once. With the Black Tux, simply rent them online so you can blow it out for your big one-time event and take your style to the next level with the black tux's free home try-on you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before the event after ordering your suit will arrive 14 days before your event in fact we got internally ryan bartlett who works with the podcast division here uh, let us know that because of our sponsorship with the black tux you guys are eligible if you want to get a tux Uh, you know you you have a free tux rental if you want it which led me to think, wouldn't it be funny if we just like all rented tux and went to like the cozy, go to some dive bar? <laughs> I would love it. And just like chilled out and <laughs> Why not? had some drinks. That'd be funny. Why not? That'd be a great cold open for the Twitter show, right, Ricky? I know your mind was take our wives, maybe take yeah, our wives awesome. out for a dinner or something where we're all just wearing tux. Don't tell them either. Be like, honey, we'll meet you there, and we're all just there. All right. Anyway, to get twenty dollars off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com and enter code around. That's theblacktux.com code around for twenty dollars off your purchase. The Black Tux premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. All right. Uh, yes, Rams Patriots Super Bowl fifty three a week from Sunday. We'll be there, of course. A reminder also. Uh, when we're in Atlanta for the Super Bowl, a couple days before the big game on Thursday night will be our live show uh, from oh, yeah. the City Winery in Atlanta. Tickets still available, but they are running low, I'm, I'm hearing. I saw Ricky's photos of the City Winery, and it seems like a very cool Seems setting. like a good venue. So The, the info is uh, pinned to our Around the NFL Twitter account. And, yeah, we're hearing the tickets are going. Which tickets good. are for- very limited. So if you want to be there for our second live show, first here in the United States of America, hit up uh, Around the NFL on Twitter and click that link and reserve your tickets. My significant other changed her flight to a day earlier to get there to witness this. So to Where the does three that- of you, don't F it up. It Where better does that be a put good you, show by you. Pressure-wise. And what, wife, what sense? Like she, she's sitting there. She's like, this is the man that, that will sink or float our family financially with his ability to be <laughs> a broadcaster. And, like, you feel that energy. Come, she's looking at you. She's like, is he going to be the star? Is he going to come up big or is he going to melt under the lights? Are you, are you going to feel that energy? <laughs> I mean, when you're married to someone, they see you fail so often and so consistently that whatever I do at that show <laughs> oh, the dark is leak. not going to – no, not at all. But, <laughs> like, it's not leak. going to change any impressions at all. It's just like roll in, get it done, check the box, have a nice time, on to the next day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. and uh, I, I think she'll think it's hot. Ooh, yeah. We'll see. I think she'll like seeing her man up there on stage, and I think it's going to be a great night. And you know what else wives like? They, Why don't you tell me? They like hotel rooms. So this is like it's really setting up well for you. <laughs> what help, is going help, on? Dan. <laughs> help end this show as soon as possible. Wives love hotel rooms. Ask any wife. They just love it. And you can read into that however you want. Why are you, why are you making that face, Erica? I'm just laughing at you. You're so funny. <laughs> You're so witty and funny and smart. 
<laughs> and handsome, and you have the best hair. Oh my god! Uh, you're 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 gosh. a real piece of work, Erica. All right, that's it. We'll, all right, here's the schedule for the week: uh, Tuesday Twitter show, Thursday our next podcast. So we're we're uh, not doing a Wednesday show this week. So Thursday podcast. Then we're on a plane. So no Sunday podcast. But then a ton of content for you. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing three uh, shows, uh, NFL.com video shows from Radio Row, in addition to uh, the three podcasts that includes, yes, the live show from City Winery and, of course, our sixth annual post-Super Bowl wrap-up show from Megatron's Butt. I'd argue too many, too much content, Wait, what? too many shows. That's a nickname for the uh, Falcon Stadium. It's uh, why? The roof. The faci- the roof opens up. Like the, owned by not, whom? Not Calvin, not just, Calvin Johnson. Right, that's like what, the actual initial The actual Megatron. Megatron. What? Yeah. yeah. Actual, no, I get it. Fake yeah. robot that's in a movie. Yeah, yeah not, was, not the football player. I was definitely thinking Calvin Johnson, and I just didn't get it. All right, this is a good time to get out. <laughs> uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. No tears two weeks from today, Ricky. One way or the other. No tears. Tears of joy. Tears of joy, Tamposi. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, Tanner Girl Go Shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.